Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Love you, Jesus. All right. Welcome to Formation Fridays. You may take your seats. I am so excited. I'm honored and privileged and all of the above to be up here and talk to you guys about something that God has been putting on my heart for a very long time. I love to say that when it's hot and when it's sticky and when it's uncomfortable, this is exactly what the first century church was like. This is exactly what it was like. So don't start thinking, oh, they don't even have AC, blah, blah, blah. The struggle is real, okay? We're on the struggle bus today. But guess what? The Spirit of God is in this place. Thank you. You know, and I'm excited because God's going to speak something new to you. Do you believe it? God's going to speak something new to your heart today. And it's only by His grace and by His love and by His mercy that you'll receive it into your heart. So you guys ready? Awesome. I'm super stoked. All right, look to the person next to you and be like, are you excited? Are you excited? Just like that. I'm just kidding. So I want to talk to you guys about one of the most powerful concepts that you will ever hear in your life. Tell the person next to you, in your life. In your life. The most powerful concept you'll ever hear about in your life. And that is the blood of Jesus. Okay? The blood of Jesus. Okay? I'm so excited because... Throughout the past couple weeks, this is something that God has been speaking into my heart personally. And and how many guys know that when God speaks something to you, you know, like when you speak it to someone else, you're like, all right, you better listen. You know what I mean? And he's been speaking this to my heart and and giving me such a, like a, like a hunger and a, a thirst to kind of go after whatever it is, you know, the blood of Jesus, the simple gospel. And out of nowhere, like just a coincidence, right? A divine coincidence, there's no such thing. But it's all God because today in our life class, how many of you guys are doing your devos in your life class book? Woo, y'all, awesome. So today's lesson was about the blood of Jesus. How many of you guys did it so far? If you haven't, go home and do it. I'm just kidding. If you haven't, here it is, okay? So I'm super excited to share. And I was so honored when my pastors asked me to share. And then when I saw that it was this, I was like, yes, Jesus. You know, because I know it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the fact that God wants to speak to you today. You believe it? All right. So... I want you guys to write down. I'm going to have tons of scriptures, so if you don't want to write them all down, that's fine. Just listen, okay? I'll send it to you later. I'll give you everything you need later. But there's a lot, so follow me, okay? I'll read everything to you. But Hebrews 11.1, does anybody know that verse by heart? Hebrews 11.1, it's about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, okay? Verse 6 of that same chapter says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because all who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why am I starting my message with this concept of faith? Because without it, it's impossible to please God. Did you hear that? Without faith, it's impossible to live a victorious life in God. Without actually believing, right, what he says and a true and genuine faith, just stop right there. Does that make sense? Religion will not save you. Coming to this place and hearing someone talk for an hour is not going to save you. What will is your true and genuine faith in the word of God. That conviction in your heart that says what he says is true and I believe it no matter what I see. Right? So I want you guys to ask God in your hearts while I'm preaching, whatever, while you're listening, ask him, God, give me faith to believe whatever it is that you want to speak to my heart. Because without it, it's going to go right over your head. And you didn't come here for that, right? You came to hear from God, right? Or did you come here because your friends are here? 
You came here to hear a word from God. So I invite you, I invite you to ask God, God, give me faith. Give me supernatural faith to believe whatever it is that you're going to tell me today. Amen? All right. So John 10.10 is one of my favorite verses, okay? And it's, it's like, it has like a pro and con kind of thing. Um, it says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in abundance, right? Should I repeat that? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life in abundance. So think about your life right now. Think about the things that are happening in your emotions, in your heart, in your thoughts. What's going on inside? What's going on even outside? Is the enemy coming to steal your dreams and to kill your joy? Has he come to destroy whatever hope that you have in God? Many times we come to him and we come to a place and we, we try the thing, we sing the songs and we listen and whatever, and we have no real faith so nothing ever changes. We have no real faith in what he says, so our lives remain the same. The enemy's right there laughing like, oh, this chick doesn't even believe what she's hearing. Right? He's, he's mocking you because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to rob you of your faith, to steal your joy from you. And today, God wants to remind you that he came to give you life in abundance. He didn't come to give you just salvation, right? He didn't come to just save you in eternity. What about here? What about now? right? What about your life now? We're not coming to Jesus so he can give us heaven, right? I mean, of course, that's the eternal. We're going to be there forever when we die. But he didn't just come for that. He came to give you life here. He came to give you hope here. He came to give you a purpose here that will drive you to be a different person. But the problem arises when we think that it's about religion and we think that it's about being good, right? Anybody ever try that? I tried that for the first few years of my Christianity. It sucked. I'm sorry. Let's be honest. You like real church? You like fake church? I like real church. Okay? I tried that, and I tried to be good and do my thing, and da-da-da-da, and it was, it was draining. Anybody been there? Where you're trying to quit smoking weed, or you're trying to stop hanging out with those people, or you're trying to do all this stuff because you're lacking true faith in what the cross did. Because you don't really recognize and you don't understand that he didn't just die to save your soul and to cleanse you from your sins because you're a dirty, rotten sin. No, he came to give you a brand new life. And that's what people are missing. Ask yourself today, am I missing that side of the gospel? Am I missing that side of the cross? Where it's not just, all right, God, I know you forgave me, kind of, because I still make a lot of mistakes, right? Oh, all right, God, I know that you could forgive me if I asked you. No, he came to give us a divine exchange. What does that mean? Give me something and I'll give you something. Give me your life, not just give me your life and that's it, and I'll save you eventually. No, give me your life and I'm going to give you everything that I have. How many of you guys want everything that God has for your life? Like, for real, I do. You know what I mean? I want everything that God has for my life. I don't want to just give up this and give up partying and give up all my fun sin, right? I want, if I'm going to give all that up, God's got to give me something, right? God's got to give me joy. He's got to give me purpose. He's got to give me something greater. And that's what he came to do. Not just to tell you to stop doing stuff, but to give you a brand new life that makes you be like, dang, my life sucked before. I would never even dream of going back. Why? Why? Because of religion? No, because Jesus gave me a new life. He gave me fulfillment where I couldn't find it anywhere else. And if you're not experiencing that today, there's so much more for your life. I guarantee it. 
I'm going to talk about the seven sheddings of Jesus' blood. There are seven recorded instances in the Gospels that Jesus shed, in the Gospels and in the Old Testament, in the prophetic books and all that kind of stuff, where Jesus shed his blood. Okay, he didn't just come, you know, walk up to the cross and get on it. No, there were instances where he was brutally beaten and tortured and all these different things along the way to that place and all of those things were significant how many of you guys know that the scriptures it's one little book yet you can find millions and millions and millions of revelation in them because nothing that God puts in there is out of coincidence or out of out of frivolousness it's all for a purpose so when he went to the cross every single reason or every single place that he shed his blood was to exchange something for you was to take something from your life and say, I have something better. Here, give me that. Give me that crap. Here, I got this for you. Right? Not just give it to me and, and feel empty. No, I have something greater for you. So the first shedding of Jesus' blood, the first instance that he shed blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. Um, you guys are like, that's a big word. I know, I know. So check it out. Really quick, I'm going to backtrack real quick. Write this scripture down. Revelation 12, 11. Does anybody know that verse by heart? You better by the end of tonight, okay? Revelation 12, 11. We conquer by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We conquer by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We conquer. What does conquering mean? Does that mean surviving? doesn't mean surviving. Does that mean just living complacent and, you know, oh, I'll just be, no. It means we conquer. We're victorious, right? We conquer this entire life by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, by everything that he gave for us on the cross and the power that it is when it's put into action. Does that make sense? That's how we conquer in this life. Now, all the conquerors in here, listen to me. Whoever doesn't want to conquer, that's fine. You can start texting and stuff. Go on Instagram. Okay? If you want to conquer in your life, you got to understand that it's the blood of Jesus alone and your application of it that makes you live a victorious life. Otherwise, you can play religion and play church and get tired in five years and then say, oh, this religion thing doesn't work. And Jesus is like, yeah, because I never died for that. Right? I died to give you a divine exchange. I died to give you a new life, my life right? First shedding of blood was that he sweat drops of blood. It says in Luke chapter 22, 42 to 44. I'm going to start rapping. Luke 22, 42 to 44. This is Jesus in agony, in anguish, right before he was going to be betrayed into the hands of the Roman soldiers, right? Right before he was going to go to the cross because he knew from the beginning he was going to have to do it. So he came and he says, he's praying in the garden, asking his disciples to pray. They're over there sleeping, being unfaithful. How many of you guys fall asleep while you're praying? Don't raise your hand. You know what I mean? And here he is, he's in agony and he's crying out to God and he's saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. The cup of, of the crucifixion, right? The cup of the sin of the world that he would have to drink for us. He said, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless... Not my will, but yours be done. It says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's the first instance where Jesus shed his blood. Was in the garden where he was battling between what he should do and what he wanted to do. What he should do, what he knew he was called to do, and what he, everything in him wanted to do was to give up and back out. Jesus was human. 
He was 100% human, 100% God, and he wanted to give up. Anybody ever felt like that before? You know God is calling you to do something, and you're like, but, oh, God, I can't. Or you feel like there's a war between your will and the will of God in your life. And God is like, Jesus shed that blood from his forehead so that our will can align to his. He shed that blood from his forehead so that we can have the ability to say, I reject my flesh. I reject whatever it is that I feel right now, and I'm chasing after the will of God in my life. If anybody feels like you can't follow God or like you're not able or you don't have it in you, you're not capable, this blood came to absorb all those thoughts and to rid, rid you of them so that you can accomplish the will of God in your life. So you can have self-control and say, I don't care what I feel because we have feelings, right? But I'm going to chase after the will of God in my life. I don't care what I think. I don't care what I feel or anything like that. I'm going to go for what you've called me to go for. Another thing that this blood did, think about what he was going through in that moment. Not only was he sacrificing his will and giving up his comfort and whatever he wanted and to be safe, right? He didn't want to die. Not only that, but he was betrayed by everyone. Who was he with? Nobody. His disciples were over there and they were like falling asleep and praying. Nobody was there with him. And that blood that he shed from his forehead at the moment where everybody in, their, in his life left, those, the disciples who promised to be with him till death, remember that? Jesus, I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, you're going to deny me three times. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those, those moments of, of pure isolation where you're betrayed by your people, you know, betrayed by the people that you came to save. Imagine that for a second. Jesus being betrayed by those he came to save, being given up and literally had no ounce of of animosity towards them. But he said, they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to do it anyway. That's the blood that Jesus shed. That's the blood that we need to apply when we feel like we're being betrayed by people and we have the audacity to think that we have something against someone because of what they did to us. If Jesus didn't hold it against them, how can we dare to hold anything against people? I'm sorry. I know maybe people don't like this message because we feel like we have the right to hold something against someone, right? But if Jesus didn't hold it against the people who were nailing the nails into his hands, who are we to think that we can hold things against those who have betrayed us? That's the blood that absorbs those feelings of betrayal. That's the blood that gives you the ability to say, I know what I feel, but I'm going after what God says. Amen? That's the first shedding of the blood. The second, okay, the second was the blood shed by the cause of the crown of thorns. You guys have recognized this picture, right? On the, the next one. The crown of thorns, perhaps, where you see this picture. Maybe your friends even have tattoos, right, of Jesus and his crown of thorns on, it, on their arm or on their chest or something. Do you really know what that means? Do you really know what that, what that felt like when they twisted? The Bible says in uh, John chapter 19, it says, The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Why a crown of thorns? Because he was claiming to be the king, the Messiah. People were praising him as such. So they twisted it and they hammered it to his head. Can you imagine? They shoved it on his head, the crown of thorns piercing his skin, and sweat falling, and drops of blood falling from that crown of thorns. And why, what's significant about that it's the crown of thorns? Not only was it painful and agonizing because they were an evil bunch, 
But because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam and Eve sinned, a curse of poverty came upon the whole earth. A curse of poverty. It said basically that Adam would have to work by the sweat of his brow. What does that mean? Has anybody ever experienced in your family, maybe generationally, your grandparents, your parents, even you today, that you've, you work and you work and you work and you're still not free financially? Right? And, and maybe finances are a taboo topic in the church, but Jesus gets into it. Right? He came to absorb that curse of poverty over your life. He came to take that curse where that makes you broke all the time. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be irresponsible with your money, okay? Do your part. Be a good steward of your finances. But think about it. Is there a curse over my finances? Jesus came to, to remove that curse from your life, to make you financially stable, not so you can be rich, but so that you can be a blessing, so that things can flow through you and nothing will be stopped by the curse in your life, Right? When they shoved that crown of thorns on his head, he was thinking of your poverty in mind. He was thinking 2018 years later when you're struggling to put freaking change in your gas tank. Right? What kind of child of God is that? That's not the life that we're called to live. But we don't know these things. We don't know the blood of Jesus. So we live like that and we suffer. But Jesus said, not anymore. Right? Not anymore. There's a curse that is over your finances. God wants to break it today. Seriously. And this is not just to make you think, oh, yes, yeah, so I'll be written. No, seriously. So that you can be a blessing. So that he can use you. So that he can use you to bless other people. Right? Not so that you would be the one always, oh, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? No. That's not what the word of God says. It says those who don't work shouldn't eat. Those who don't work shouldn't eat. Get a job. Tell the person next to you, get a J-O-B. Get a J-O-B and let God do the rest, right? Okay? Amen. Some of y'all are like, ouch. Why you got to go there? Okay. The third shedding of the blood. Check it out. All right? This one is incredible. When they ripped out his beard. Any men with a beard today, with a long beard, looking at you, Stephen. All right? Um, Anthony, do me a favor and go like this to his beard. Softly, Okay. Ah, you know, he's, he wants to cry already. I can see it. Okay, has anybody ever felt like, like out of curiosity, like peer, plucked your beard or something? I've done that to one of my guy friends, and they were like, oh, and I'm like, get waxed. Try getting waxed. You know what I mean? Like, but the, Whitney knows. She's my esthetician. Tell me about the, the male beard. It's like super thick and, and awful. You know what I mean? It's all scratchy. I'm just kidding. No, but the hairs and the follicles are super thick, right? And I want you guys to just think about this. I'm not just talking about this for no reason. Okay. It's not like he got his eyebrows plucked on the cross. No, he got his beard ripped out of his face. He got his beard ripped out of his face. Can you imagine if as a man, whoever has a beard, you're like cringing in your seat. I can see it. You know, this man got his beard ripped out. Now, what's significant about that? Back then, it like, think about girls today, or maybe not today, but back then, hair used to be their glory, right? The women's glory was their hair, beautiful long hair. That's why they had to cover it, not let anybody see but their husband and, you know, weird stuff like that. But now, okay, the men's glory was their beard, the significance of the man was in his beard. It was wisdom. It was, it was stature, right? And so when they tore his beard, they were literally mocking him, humiliating him, and taking his identity from him, saying, this is who you think you are? No, not anymore, king of kings. 
Not anymore, king of the Jews. They ripped out his beard and his blood shed from that. His face shed blood when they ripped it out. And I want you guys to think about that for a second. This is to restore your identity in Christ. This was not just for no reason, just because they were mocking him. Guess what? God likes to take things that the enemy uses in your life and use them for good. He likes to take things that, that the enemy tries to break you down and say, huh, you ha I have a better story in mind. Right? You're going to try and break him, break her down with this. Well, guess what? This is going to save and free so many people from the bondage of their identity. Right? God is telling you today that when you apply that blood, when you remember what he did when his beard was being ripped out, and you say, that blood restores my identity. What does that mean? What my identity? That means your image of yourself. Have you ever gone to church and thought, well, they're a child of God. Alba and Frank for sure. You know what I mean? Like, they're a child of God. You know, or you see someone that, like, looks all cool and, like, blessed. And you think there's something different between them and you? You know what the difference is? They believe it. You know what the difference is? They know that it's true. You doubt. You doubt. I doubt. You know, we're constantly doubting. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Am I really a child of God? God, do you really love me? And Jesus is like, yes. This much to restore how you see yourself, that you're not an employee anymore. You know, the Bible says you're not an employee. You're not a slave of mine. You're a friend of mine. You're a child of mine. I love you. I, everything that I have, I've given to you. And what's stopping you? Give God a round of applause. What's stopping you from believing that? What's stopping you from believing that? The enemy will do anything to keep you from realizing who you are in Jesus. Anything. Because the moment that you do, you recognize that everything that God has is available to you. You recognize that his provision is available to you. You recognize that his power is available to you. You recognize that his wisdom, every good thing that he can possibly give you, is available to you as a child of God. So what is he going to attack? Your identity. What is he going to go for? Uh, I don't care if she comes to church. I just don't want her to believe who she is in Jesus. I don't care if he comes to life class or cell group. You know, I just don't want him to really believe that he has power in God. That's the blood that you need to be applying when you're starting to doubt who you are in Jesus. That's the blood that you say, all right, God, you didn't get your beard ripped out for no reason. I know that was to restore my identity. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, my thing keeps locking me out. All right, check it out. The, what are we on? What number are we on? Four, that's what I said. I'm just kidding. All right, um, is the blood shed from his back by the cause of the Roman whip? The blood shed on his back, and I'm really sweaty, so hopefully my sweat's not showing through. But look at this awesome shirt, dude. Okay, this is a symbolic of the blood of Jesus that he shed when he was whipped on his back. They tie him to a post. Hands, okay, tied, feet shackled, and they whip him with the Roman whip. This wasn't a little belt that we get. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't a belt. This was a Roman whip. The Bible says that he had um, pieces of metal and pieces of bone attached to them, like little fingers, like claws, that they would rip into his back and then rip out his flesh. Isn't that insane? And I know I'm getting graphic, but we need to understand, guys. Jesus didn't go through all that just to, just to pay for our sin. He, gave, he did that so that we can have life and victory, right? That was to free us from our sickness. The Bible says in um, 
1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Do you guys believe that? Some of you, maybe? He bore your sickness on him. Some researchers show that, that it was 39 times that he was beaten with that whip. 39 lashes on his back. And if you trace down every disease, every sickness known to man, it will all trace down into 39 strains of disease. Isn't that insane? That he bore every sickness on his back to heal you. To heal you from your sickness, to heal you from disease, from cancer. How many of you guys have seen a miracle when God heals someone of cancer? Just a tumor just disappearing, like crazy things, all for his glory, right? God is sovereign, and I want you guys to understand that today. God is sovereign, and if it's his will, he will heal you according to the blood that he shed on his back. And notice I say if it's his will, because we can't just say, I know better than you, God. I need to get this sickness. No, no, no. God knows what he's doing. I've seen people, I've seen someone die of something and literally a hundred people were saved because of that person's death. God looks at the bigger picture. God looks at the bigger picture because guess what? We have eternity with him. He came to give us life and victory, right? He came to give us life of fullness. But if it's his will, he's sovereign anyway. And we need to get that straight today, okay? The next one, the blood shed from his hands when they were pierced by nails, Okay, the blood that was shed from his hands when they pierced him with those nails. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 22, it was King David prophesying of the death of the Messiah thousands of years before he even came. It said, they're like dogs all around me. Evil men encircle me. They've pierced my hands and feet. King David wasn't pierced hands and feet. He was divinely prophesying what would happen to Jesus, the Messiah. They pierced my hands and feet. They were like dogs. Has anybody seen the passion of the Christ? Think about that. Have that image in your mind. This wasn't like, okay, hop up there, Jesus. No, they got him, they whipped him, they beat him, they tied him to the cross, and they pierced his hands. Guess what? Those hands that went around every city healing and touching hearts and bringing healing and bringing, opening blind eyes and deaf ears, those hands that Jesus worked miracles with, Satan was like, all right, no more miracles for you. And he nailed him to that cross through the Roman soldiers. And that blood was shed to redeem the work of your hands. Seriously, that blood was shed to redeem the work of your hands, to say, I did all of this with my hands. Guess what? I expect nothing less from you. I expect nothing less from you. And the moment that you start to doubt it, you apply that blood and say, God, you shed your blood on the cross when your hands were pierced to that nail so that when I touch someone, when I lay hands, they would be healed. When I hug someone, they would feel the love of God. That's a totally different mindset from, oh, well, God, you can do it, right? No. God says, you do it. You do it. I gave you that blood to redeem the work of your hands. The hands that you were used, um, anybody have a past life? Even people who grew up in church have a past. Amber's like, oh, yes, I do. You know what I mean? Like, your past, think about the filth that your hands have done. And we're not going to get explicit up in here just for the sake of, you know, children around. But think of the evil things that your hands have done. And, I, yeah, you know what I'm saying? 
God wants to redeem the work of your hands. It says, purify your hands, you sinners, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Purify your hands so that you don't look at them and think, God, I'm worth nothing. I can do nothing right. No, he says, I'm giving you this blood so that you will be a blessing. So that those hands and the parts of your life that were used for evil in the past are now going to be used to bless someone's life. If you believe that, say amen. We need to start changing our mindset. There's no coincidences with the scriptures. Okay? He shed that blood from his hands to redeem the work of our hands. The next is that he shed his blood from his feet when they nailed his feet to that cross. Think about the feet. The Bible says that beautiful are the feet who bring the good news. Beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of the gospel. Right? Beautiful are those who go. That blood was shed to redeem your purpose in God. To redeem the steps of your life. Your feet have taken you to so many different places, guys. Taken me to so many different places that I didn't belong. And Jesus said, everywhere that I walk, you're going to walk. Every step that I take, I died so that you can take them. Wherever I go, the Bible says that wherever you plant your foot, you will conquer. Do you believe that? Where does it say that? Deuteronomy 11.24, if you guys want to write it down and say, heck yeah, I'm a conqueror. It says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Do you live your life like that? Ask yourself, do I live my life like thinking that, man, everywhere I go, God gave me authority. God gave me authority to do what I need to do, to accomplish his will, to touch hearts, to bring light, to bring hope. Do we walk around like that? You're like, oh, sometimes, you know, if I did my Devo that morning. No, no, every day, every day, God gives you authority wherever you go, man, to bring light, to bring light in the darkness, to do what Jesus did. You know what I'm saying? That's the blood that he shed from his feet. And when you're starting to doubt your purpose and think, well, what am I good for? I can't do it. Or I don't know if I can really walk that line. God's like, no, that's what I shed that blood for from my feet. Amen? Give God a round of applause. I need to get some water. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right. The last one is the blood shed from his side when they speared him. When they drove a spear through his side. This blood, the Bible says that when he was on the cross, he had already passed away. And, and to fulfill another prophecy from thousands of years ago, the Bible says that they didn't, they didn't beat his, his knees. Um, back then, it was a custom when someone was being crucified, when someone was being put to death, that to make sure they were dead, they would break their legs. <clears throat> they would break their legs so that they would um, die faster, right? So they would lose all of their breath. They would be hanging and just in such agony that they would die really fast. But the Bible said, it prophesied from, like I said, years before, that the Messiah wouldn't be touched like that. And so instead, they speared him in the side. John 19:34. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and immediately blood and water poured out, uh, poured out, flowed out. Um, Anybody in medicine right now? Anybody in like um, med school or nursing or like medicine? Yes, girl. Anybody else? Okay. Basically, is Jared here? I've uh, received my pastor's anointing to call out people that were not here. Um, (laughs) 
so basically, that's a cardiac rupture, okay? Um, there's this sac around your heart. It's called the pericardium. And when you're in such agony and stress and, and torment or when there's an, enough stress and pressure put on the body and of like being beaten or whatever the case is, the, uh, the Bible says, medicine says that you're, there's a, like a sac that would fill with fluid. It's a plural effusion, okay? And so that's literally, isn't that crazy to think that that's what was happening to Jesus when the Bible said that blood and water poured out and like splashed them in the face? Like that was the fluid that was building up in his heart from all the torment that he was going through and then his blood from his heart poured out that was the first I want you guys to think about this for a second when Jesus died when he gave his last breath you remember what he cried out father father why have you forsaken me God left him at that moment the presence of God could no longer be on him because guess why? He was filled with the sin of the world. He was filled with my sin, everything that I've ever done in my life. He was covered in it, filth, and so God couldn't be there. His heart literally busted. Isn't that insane? His heart broke because of the sin of the world that was on him and his father had to leave him. Why? To bring you back to the father. That you would never have to say, God has separated himself from me. So that you would never have to say that God doesn't love me or that God's not there for me or that his presence isn't with me or that I don't deserve his forgiveness. His heart bursted and was separated from the Father so that we would never have to be separated from God no matter what we do. And you're already thinking, well, what about my sin? No, he took it. What's your excuse now? God will never leave you and never forsake you. And when you understand that, based off of the blood that he shed from his heart, then you will walk like a different person. Man, knowing that there's nothing that you can do that can make God leave you. There's nothing that you can be. There's no mistake that you can make that will make him leave your side. Because he left Jesus so that he wouldn't have to leave you. Right? Think about that. Think about that. When the enemy starts to torment your mind and make you think you're not good enough and put your sin and dangle it in front of your face and say, oh, see, you're a doubter, dude. God can't deal with you. Oh, look what you did the other day. No. That's all a scheme of the enemy. If he can get you to believe that God has left you, if he can get you to believe that God separates himself from you when you do bad things, you'll live a life of weakness. You'll live a life of a shadow of the person that you should be. When we start to live by the grace of God and say, man, I could not deserve it. Like, do you guys get that? There's nothing you can do to deserve the grace of God over your life. The Bible says that our righteousness, our good deeds, right, when we try to be good enough, are like filthy rags. We try to be good to earn his favor, and he's like, get that away from me. Literally, get that away from me. I died for you on the cross. Look at me. Right? Look at what I did for you. Stop trying to be good enough because, look, you're miserable and I don't like it. You know what I mean? Stop it. He's saying, have faith in my son. That's how you'll please me. Give God a round of applause. Have faith in my son and that's how you'll please me. When Jesus died on the cross and, and, and his heart literally bursted from being separated from the Father and all of the physical torment that he went through, it not only was to bring you back into reconciliation with God, but to heal your heart. How many of you guys know that God cares about your heart? God cares about your soul. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your mind, your intellect, your will. He cares about it all. And he didn't come just to save you from your sin or to give you eternal life. He came to heal you inside and out. 
He came to heal your soul. He came to heal your emotions. Anybody ever been brokenhearted? Literally every hand should shoot up because if not, y'all lying or that sucks because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that means you never loved before. But if you've been brokenhearted, God came to heal that part of you that you don't have to carry it anymore, man. You don't have to carry. I've seen people and girls who literally hold on, not just girls, guys too, man, that hold on to this brokenness forever. I was one of them. That you think that you're gaining something by not forgiving. You think that you're gaining something by holding on to that pain and being the victim. Guess what? God's like, "Uh uh-uh, my heart broke so that your heart can be whole. If you don't want it, then all right, sit in your pity. Sit in your pity party, right? But that's not the life that God called you to live, man. That's not the life that he called you to live. He called you to live in victory. Just like that video that we played before I came up here, man, that touched my heart so much. Because how many times do we come as Christian people thinking, oh, you know, we're fighting the good fight of faith, you know? Like, you know, you're tr- I'm trying, you know? Like, what the heck? Jesus is like, I didn't die so you can try. I died so you can live the life I gave you, right? I died so you can live in victory, you know? And we're like, I'm only human, you know, God knows my struggles. And it's like, all right then, well, you don't know the blood of Jesus. If you want to hold on to that struggle and excuse yourself, then fine. Live right there. We're going to conquer the world. Right? That's what God called. And don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing the pain, Okay. I'm not diminishing the struggles and, and actual things that we go through, man. Like, I've been through the ringer, I'll tell you. You know what I mean? You know, people who are close to me, they know. You know, I've been through it all. But guess what? Every time I applied, the, I'm not kidding you. Like, this is not something that I get paid to do, okay? This is not something that I'm like, oh, yeah, what should I talk about? No, this is something that the Bible says, and I believed it, and it worked. Simple as that. If God said it, I believe it, and it works. If God said it and you don't believe it, it's not going to work, right? God said it, start to believe what the word of God says. Start to believe what the power of the blood of Jesus can do for your life. Otherwise, you're going to continue to live just a mediocre life. We don't want that. Do you want that? Do you want to live a mediocre life? No, you don't. I know you don't. I know you're tired. I can see it in some of your guys' faces where you're like, well, maybe that's you. Maybe you're just, you know, mentally strong enough, you know, to do that. No, no. Jesus gave every single one of us a measure of faith. And when you call upon that and you say, God, I know that you gave me faith, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, even if it's just enough to get me in these doors, God, you can use it. When you start to believe what God says about you. Remember how I started this preaching with the only way to please God is through faith? Because guess what? This is crazy. The Bible says that it's foolishness to those who don't believe. Everything that I'm saying, maybe some of you guys don't believe and you're like, this chick's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, because that's, I know, it's foolishness. It sounds ridiculous unless you actually believe it, unless you actually apply it, unless you actually see the power of God working in your life when you choose to do things his way. When you choose to live by what the blood of Jesus has done for you. That you don't have to try and grasp and like, God, please help me. He's like, all right, I did. I already did. Can you just walk with me? You know what I mean? Like, I paid for that. Stop it. You know what I mean? Like, let's go, you know? But many times we're crying out and crying out and crying for God to do something. He's like, I already did it. Just believe it. I already paid for it. Just believe it. Listen to me. 
It's like a, a, a mother, you know what I mean? Or a father, like, can you listen? You know? We need to start becoming like children again and saying, God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. God, if you told me, then I believe it because you're not a man that you should lie. He's never lied to me before, right? You th- look, at, look at people. This is something that really encouraged me when I was a new believer and when I was, you know, even in my biggest struggles. I would look at people like Pastor Pablo and Pastor Oni or anybody else that you admire, someone that has faith like crazy, right? And I would always look at them and I think, well, if it worked for them, it could work for me. Literally, like I would look at them and think like, well, there's a reason why they're like they are. You know what I mean? Has anybody ever thought that? Like there's a, even when you're feeling faithless, when you're feeling doubtful, it's like you look at people like that and you're like, well, there's got to be a reason why they are the way they are. Guess what? It's because they believe God. That's the only secret. There's no magic spell. There's no formula that you can follow. It's literally just believing God. Do you want to believe God today? I invite you guys to stand up and let's pray together. <clears throat> I invite every single one of you guys to close your eyes. If, if you don't want to pray, that's fine. Just respect the people around you by closing your eyes and, and just look in yourself. Look, in, look into yourself and it's called introspection. Stop looking around and wondering if everybody else is receiving. No, you receive right now. I invite you guys to close your eyes and to say, God, reveal to me every day the power of your blood. Reveal to me, God, the things that I have so easily skipped past, God, the things that I don't even think about, that I've heard in church a million times, but they haven't been revealed to me. If that's you today and you want a a true revelation from God, if you want to really understand what the blood of Jesus did for you, he hears your prayers. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. What does that mean? That when you come before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not on your own, But when you come before God in the righteousness of Jesus, he hears your prayers. He hears your cries. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not those who just half-heartedly, all right, God, show me something. No, those who diligently seek after his heart. He says, come, my daughter, come, my son, and I'll show you the secrets of my heart. I'll show you what I came to die for. I'll show you what I paid for on the cross. Now, we want to come before you, Jesus. And if it's you today where you want to repent for not actually believing in the blood of Jesus, if you have recognized that you have forgotten what the blood did for you, that you're just trying to live on your own strength and you're trying to do this religion thing, I, want, I invite you to just come before God with a heart of repentance and say, God, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, God, if I have been trying to do things on my own strength, God. I invite you to get on your knees if you want to. If not, it's okay, but for those who do, for those who want to diligently seek God right now and ask for forgiveness, I invite you to just pray, just cry out to him right now. God hears your prayers. He hears you, every word that you speak. God, we come to you with a heart of repentance and we ask you for forgiveness, God. If we have forsaken what your blood did for us, God, if we have neglected the power that you gave on the cross, Lord, if we've forgotten what your blood did, that you didn't shed it in vain, God, that you didn't come to the cross just to to cleanse us and make us better people, Lord. You came to give us a new life, God. Father, forgive us, God, for trampling on your blood. Forgive us for trampling on your blood without faith, God, or saying, oh, I apply the blood of Jesus without even knowing what that means. 
God, we, we ask you for forgiveness, God. And we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come right now. Ask him in your own words, Holy Spirit, come and reveal to me right now what your blood did for me on the cross. Reveal to me right now the accomplishment that you did, everything that you paid for, Father, for my new life, for my victory, for my healing. You came so that my heart wouldn't have to be broken. I invite you to start visualizing right now that you're walking up to the cross and you're looking up and you're seeing him there bloodied and beaten for you his hands nailed to that cross his feet nailed to that cross the crown of thorns when he's dripping blood from his forehead and you're watching him and he's saying everything that I did was for a reason everything that I did was to give you a life in abundance everything that I went through was not in vain but when you trust me, when you look to my cross, when you look to my, my accomplishment, my atonement for your sin, when you look to me, I can give you a new life. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're doubting. Come to me if you're faithless. The Bible says that there's a man named Thomas that said, I don't believe it unless I can put my hands in his side and touch the holes in his hands. And Jesus in his mercy came down and came before him and said, here, believe. Here, believe. Here, believe me now. Do you believe me now, God says. Do you believe me now? Look to my cross. Look to everything that I did for you and know that it was not in vain. God, we ask you for forgiveness right now if we've tried to live this Christian life on our own strength, God. We ask that you would just continually move in our hearts, God, that we would recognize that we're not meant to be the tail. We're meant to be the head, God. We're not meant to live life in, in, in pain and in agony, God, but we're meant to live life in victory, Lord, through your blood. In victory, not on our own, God, but in victory through you, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you, Father. If there's anybody in this place that hasn't given their life to Jesus, that, that maybe wants to, that says, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I hear this person preaching. I hear this person looking and, and, and talking about the blood that you shed. And I want to know you like she knows you. I want to know you like they know you. I invite everybody's eyes to be closed right now. And if there's anybody in this place that wants to accept Jesus Christ for the first time, I invite you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. I see you. You can put your hands down. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And if you've already repeated it, that's fine. Just let's all do it in unison. But this is not a magic prayer. This isn't going to save you. It's your own words and your own faith that will put you in the place where God needs you to be. We say, God, Jesus Christ, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Thank you because you paid it all at the cross. God, I recognize that I have fallen short. I recognize that I've sinned against you. But I believe in the power of your blood to forgive me. I believe that you loved me enough to go to that cross and take everything that I've done on your back. And I ask you that you would forgive me. Make me new. Make me the person that you want me to be.
God, I just thank you so much for this time, Lord. I thank you for the people that you brought to this place, Jesus. I thank you, God, because you're starting something new in our hearts, God, to believe, to have the audacious faith to believe that you've called us to be victorious, God, that you've called us to be winners, Father, that you've called us to be conquerors in your name, that you've called us to do things greater than all the things that you have promised, God. We believe in the power of your promises today, God, and we just thank you Father, for giving us a hunger. Why don't you just ask God right now before we leave, God, give me a hunger to know more about your blood. Give me a hunger to know more about your cross, the secrets of your heart that heal me, the secrets of your heart that make me new, that give me joy, that give me a new life. I don't want to live religion anymore. Tell him, God, I don't want to live religion. I don't want to go to church for nothing. God, I want to be made new. And I believe that your blood has paid for that, God. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice, God, on the cross. And we just pray, Father, that you would continue to work in our hearts, God. Continue to move, Holy Spirit, and give us the faith to believe that we can conquer in your name. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Why don't you give God a loud round of applause? Amen. We love you. Um, We're here for you. Anything that you need. Um, say goodbye to, you know, five people around you. Tell them-